What's up, everybody? I'm Brian Barrett, former Boston sports radio guy and now host of the new Ringer show, Off the Pike, that'll cover your favorite Boston teams and stories. From Fenway to Foxborough to the Garden and beyond, we're reacting to all the biggest games and moments with episodes at least three times a week featuring myself and some of your favorite guests at the Ringer and in the city. Plus, if the Celtics or the Pats make a surprise trade, if the Red Sox go on a run, or if any news breaks, we'll drop bonus instant reaction episodes too, so you're always up to date with the latest chatter. Get in on the action and follow off the pike with me, Brian Barrett, now on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodelo.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash RingerNFL. Just go to Indeed.com slash RingerNFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Sunday edition of the Ringer NFL Recap Show. I am Nora Princiati. I am here uh, with Stephen Ruiz and Benjamin Solik, as always, to break down all of the action from week five. We had another crazy, crazy Sunday in the NFL. Uh, We're going to start with the headline, which is going to be Bengals Ravens. We just watched the Ravens beat the Bengals 19 to 17. Ravens are now in first place in the AFC North. Benjamin Solak, how are you doing? Are you ready to to rank some Justin Tucker field goals? Yes, absolutely. Last year, I got to write off of his 66-yard or game win or whatever. And I realized like writing about Justin Tucker field goals is fun because usually writing articles is like, let's see if we can find a way to encapsulate what I'm looking for. And every single field goal metric that ever existed, Justin Tucker is by far and away the first. So it's just like when he walks out there for the 40-yarder, you're like, okay. Never at any moment, I think, like, what if he misses? It just doesn't cross your mind in the slightest. What a great luxury. Steven, uh, I don't know if you've heard this, but in the the post-game interview, Justin Tucker called himself a system kicker. Uh, does that make him a, a... Is he a ball knower? No, because he's, he's the opposite of a system kicker. I don't even know what yeah, that means. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. But he's, he's very obsessed with the, like, snap-to-hold-the-kick process. Like, you know how As when, should whenever be. you go to training camps, you know how the, the specialists are always like on field C and they're just kind of like, eh, should I screw around and just like whatever. The Ravens like drill this stuff. They met with the Navy and talked about like weather. They like, they go through, they're very, the Heller and the snapper, like Justin gets very serious into that process. And so system kicker, got to shout out your holder, shout out your long snapper. You know, we're all a team here. He's very confident and uh, I, he did like the, the celebration after the one field goal. This was like in the third quarter. Imagine if he had missed the game winner, what the memes would have been. Oh. That's how, you know, you could believe in your kicker. Cause he's willing to put himself out there like that. He never would have though. So you don't think that it was fake no, humility 
after the game. I was kind of like, come on, Justin Tucker. You know, that's not true. It is. It is. He like, he celebrates after it kicks. I mean, every, everything an NFL player has ever said is fake humility besides a defensive back. Defensive backs don't even pretend, but every other position is always fake humility. Not Justin Herbert. Justin doesn't want to talk. Justin just wants to go home and like garden or something. When he was on the pod, every time I asked him a question, he would like, thank me for the question. He's like, <laughs> Justin the most just answers every question with either yes, no, or thank you. That is his preferred outcome of a, of a verbal interaction. All right, let, let's go through these offenses. Uh, we've obviously talked so much about Lamar in recent weeks, and, and there were some throws that it seemed like he was missing in a couple places, but you know they were able to, to do enough to come away with the win. Uh, Steven, what did you think was happening for the Ravens offense that was without Rashad Bateman? Yeah, I think we saw the importance of Rashad Bateman and what he could mean to that offense if he ever gets going consistently. Uh, Lamar was having a lot of success against the Blitz coming into this game. You would assume that our man Big Lou in Cincinnati wouldn't blitz him so much, but that wasn't the case. They had an aggressive game plan. I don't think they had a receiver on the field that they feared. Obviously, Mark Andrews got going a little bit, but and Devin DuVernay is a good player. I think he's a good number two, number three, somewhere in between there type receiver, but he's not a receiver you can have leading your core. And I think we saw the issues, all the issues with the Ravens offense where it's just so Lamar centric. And even on that game winning drive, what did they do? They just spammed Lamar inverted veer, uh, Lamar keepers to get into position for that game winning field goal. I'm coming away from this game for the Ravens, a little more optimistic about the defense just because I thought this was a test that uh, McDonald had to pass, and he did. But I have the same concerns about the offense that I've had for the last two weeks, and this happened again. Just still that too much is falling on Lamar's plate. Yeah, everything is so... It's just... He has no margin for error. It, it's up to him. We saw him miss a couple of throws, and, and that was uncharacteristic uh, compared to the rest of his season. But this is like, if he doesn't make those throws, the Ravens score 19 points. They don't score more than 20 points. He has to do everything for this offense right now. I think the offensive line's getting better. The running game's getting better, but it's still just predicated on Lamar being there. They did get Ronnie Stanley back, which, which helps. They had to sort of rotate him in and out, which we're sort of seeing teams do more and more. I don't know if we're seeing teams do it. We're seeing David Bakhtiari ask for it. <laughs> and then Ronnie Stanley having to okay, do it. Okay, that's teams. That's teams. That's two I refuse teams. to it's accept thing. the David Bakhtiari situation in Green Bay as precedent setting. It is a so ta- peculiar. A time theft came. Okay, well, but now it's happening here. So, so are we calling it the David Bakhtiari Ronnie Stanley situation? We're calling it no, just David Bakhtiari having the yeah, same injury for, for two, two years week. and like randomly practicing and not. And then also Ronnie Stanley being banged up in his first game back. Bakhtiari is trying to become the Chase Daniel of left tackles, I feel like. <laughs> how long does Ronnie Stanley have to like be getting spelled snaps for you to... And I'll how many more players have to do this for this, for this Another to be a week and, and, and one more player. But left tackle rotations are done. I would like that officially off the All record. Right. All right. I'm not here to say that they're smart. I'm <laughs> I'm here to say that there are two of them happening and, and it happening, seems a little right. bit notable. It's very fair. It's very fair. Uh, ben, you have written so much about um, this Bengals offense mm-hmm. and how they've tried to get their running game and their passing game matched up a little bit. And it seems like we've seen, we saw kind of both sides of that coin in this a little bit. They were able to get a hundred rushing yards as a team that said, we saw them in a goal line situation where they very much didn't want to run the ball. Definitely came out passing yes. in this game. 
What did you think the takeaway was in terms of how well that offense is meshing together and and their attempts to get that functioning at a higher level was from the, this game? Yeah, so nail on the head. Uh, they they ran gun run a little bit more and a little bit more successfully in this game than you'd see them do previously. Uh, they also they ran uh, run from the gun without RPOs. They were just like call a run from the gun, and that was to their benefit. They were moving the moving the, the Ravens off the ball in the interior and and not generating chunk gains, but like five, six yard runs, which are very important for this team. They haven't been getting those. Uh, unnecessary caveat, the Ravens are kind of really bad up front right now. Uh, they've had injuries. They're not good on, on the interior. The linebackers are really poor. Uh, this is a team where you should have been able to run the football against them, and you did. So that's good, and it feels better. And then you get into the low red zone, and you realize oh, there's, a second, there's a second boss. What you thought was the final boss is not the final boss. Gun run feels good between the tens. And then all of a sudden we get inside the five and that's where you want to forward vertical. Let us run the football. And they, they are, are reticent. They're scared of that. They're not calling that. We're getting the ball to Tyler Boyd, 15 yards behind the line of scrimmage before we're getting under center. We're running the ball, which now this is no longer about tendencies because you get under center on the goal line. This, like everybody's playing run. This doesn't matter what jersey you're wearing, what your tendencies previously have been. Everybody's playing run. This is, we don't know how we feel about our offensive line. Now, that that's a little bit now more of a, of a right. telling situation. There's also the too cuteness of it, right? Which I think was well documented in terms of multiple trick plays uh, over the course of a three game, a uh, three play span there with, with, with the game in the line. Uh, Zach Taylor, after the game was asked about the, uh, the shotgun play on fourth and goal and said that what the, the team saw on film was kind of why, why they wanted to go for it. They saw something on film. What he's referring to is, that play they saw that play they've seen nine thousand teams run that play on film it's just this 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 goal line play du jour that like was really sick three years ago when no one was ready for patrick mahomes to underthrow it to anthony sherman or underhand throw it to anthony sherman on a shovel option and now it's like the little like shovel yeah, yeah okay. now everybody and their mama tries to run this play and you can just you can see second level players feel it you can see them like flow at the line and then all of a sudden just like stop and be like the quarterback doesn't usually move like this. We've seen this enough times. So officially don't run it against a team that runs it a lot. Yeah. Like the Ravens have been running that. <laughs> right. And apparently they were practicing it a lot during camp. So the defense has seen a bunch of it. The defense was ready for it. Like yeah. don't run it against teams that do it. You don't run it against Andy Reid teams. You don't run it against the Ravens who have been doing it yeah. all season. So officially just my, 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 this is it. I'm, I'm stealing Steven's bit. I am canceling the shotgun option shovel yes. play. In at the goal line, stop running it. Only the Chiefs get to run it because Andy Reid is the best. In the same way that only Nick Foles, if he ever plays another game as a starter, gets to run Philly special. Stop it. They don't work anymore. Everybody knows. Come up with your own new thing, right? The, the Broncos trying to do fullback speed option week two. Sean Payton alone, baby. Only one gets these plays. Come up with your own cool <laughs> gadgets. Can we, can we play uh, a, a game? Yes. It's Always. called guess. It's called guess Joe Burrow's a dot in this game, because this matters and this is concerning. Six point two. Nope. Well, I think I was gonna get it. I was just trying. There's a lot of numbers here. It was three point four. Smulla. That's worse than Hertz was three point eight this week. Holy smokes! Now either True Media has like a bug and uh, RB. SDM has a, has a bug, but both of them have 3.4 for Joe Burrow. I, I didn't feel like a 3.4 a dot type of game, but this is a concern for an offense that mm -hmm. we've been talking about. Can they push the ball downfield? 
And then you have these last two games where they push the ball downfield a little bit. And then we kind of said, oh, the Bengals offense is getting right. But the thing is, the Jets didn't play any any too high. And the Dolphins played a lot of one high. They blitzed some. And when they did play too high, they were like rotating into it late, very late. So it was kind of it wasn't like a real legitimate Tampa two coverage. Now we see an offense or a defense play quarters against them. And it's the same old problem for this passing game. And we could talk about the running game and the issues there. But if this passing game doesn't work, this team doesn't work in theory. Can we play a different game? How's, what's that? It's called uh, guess the number of plays the Bengals had from under center in this game. It felt like five. How many? How many? Seven. Nine. And they had like uh, 1.83 yards per rush. And it looks like seven yards per pass. You want to be a shot. Like the only teams in the league who are majority shotgun are the Eagles and the Cardinals. And that's because their quarterbacks run the ball 10 plus times a game. Well, and the Giants, if they start listening to Steven. Again, on the island. You can't be a 95% shotgun team. I guess not 95%. You can't be an 85% shotgun team if you aren't going to involve your quarterback in the running game. No. Like this is, this is such a... It's difficult because we did this a lot in the Super Bowl run and like Bengals fans got upset with us. But this is such an uncomfortable, disjointed heavily reliant on a few very low percentile things offense. It is just not the way you would want to build it. I know that the pisses Bengals fans off. I'm sorry, but it is. I'm convinced that Joe Burrow needs to go back to getting sacked a little more. I know he took some sacks on third down this, this <laughs> week, but he was only pressured on 13.5% of his, his snaps. If your pressure rate is that low and your a dot is still 3.4, that might be a quarterback issue. I mean, that's like, we have, you have to hold on to the ball a little bit longer. His average time to throw was 2.26 with an eight out of 3.4 and a pressure rate of 13.3. Like that doesn't make sense. That's on the quarterback, not being aggressive enough. Especially when the deep ball has been just sort of yes. like not only their bread and butter schematically, but this confidence booster. We don't care that you think we're the Bengals worst mm -hmm. waggy thing for this team that j just seems like it's gone away yeah. this season and it's worth noting no t affects that a lot right because right. this this was the game yes, where yeah. uh like you know as as, as chris collinsworth was really hammering on the broadcast the ravens played some zone and that was because you can't punish us if we get two sets of eyes on jamar chase it turns out you can like you know michael thomas had a nice catch tyler boyd had some runs but in general you're just willing to live in that world uh because you feel confident that you you're the rest of your guys are going to be able to handle the rest of their guys that's why you know the the one of the big things facing the Bengals through the season and then into the offseason is the fact that T Higgins is coming up on his contract and you really want your star quarterback top five pick your star receiver top five pick to be enough but when this offense loses T some of those issues that, that I, I was talking about in terms of the fragility of this build really come to light T is so important for their downfield passing game yeah and that's like an argument we had last year it's like it was so fragile because it was contingent on Jamar and T winning those perimeter 50-50 balls if you lose one of them it gets a lot easier to guard the other one. Exactly. And and you just get fewer dice rolls, right? Mm -hmm. Like, it's just like, all right, like it, there are some games where Jamar's off, but T's hot. You'd lose that. It's just, okay, is Jamar dominating? No. Well, yeah, it's really tough to dominate week in, week out in the NFL, especially when schematically you're not getting the same stuff from your coach that like Justin Jefferson gets. You know what I'm saying? Like They're not moving you around. They like, oh, get him touches behind the line of scrimmage like Debo. Yeah, they run like one jet sweep a game and two screens. It's not actual, it doesn't have juice, it doesn't have gas. It's it's the easy buttons. It's not the stuff that like actually generates a, a winning edge when you talk about creative wide receiver usage. Okay. So if we're talking about the coaching, let's go back to the, the fourth and goal that ended up being the turnover on downs, just an issue with the shovel option or issue with decision to go there. Don't mind going there at all. No, I, I think that's acceptable. You want 
a better play. Like you want to feel when you go for it on fourth and goal that you really like the spot you're in. If your if your play call ends with Stanley Morgan ready break, hmm. I think that that to me is like that's, that's just not. That's, I just don't yeah. love that call. Um, but that's always like you know that, that always these conversations are two headed monster. It's decision to go and then the call. To me, it's, I just don't like the shovel option anymore. Love the decision to go for it. Just doing the the two gimmick plays in that series just shows you how little confidence that Zach Taylor has in this offensive front, like winning in yeah, obvious run exactly. situations. But if like there are other options besides doing trick plays, like spread things out, like go into empty, have Joe Burrow have an option to do the quarterback draw. He's had a lot of success with that throughout his career or throw a screen pass to Jamar chase. They had, they weren't tackling him all game. Any Devonte Adams, Matt LaFleur red zone packages yes. and install them all for Jamar chase and just start running that cat across the line of scrimmage and just get him in motion, get the ball in his hands. Just ask him to, to reach out, break a tackle, get to the line to gain. Like just, he's your best player. It's not Stanley Morgan. What does Zach Taylor do? It's listen, <laughs> not much. I don't know. He's not a we good game. Find out. He's not a good game manager. Like the parts of the offense that like his fingerprints are on are just the worst parts of the offense. I mean, calling go balls to Jamar Chase and T Higgins 10 times a game. Like, is that coaching? Like, I feel like we're past the point where this is even a debate. I don't think he adds value to this team. We haven't appointed a run game coordinator of the week. I think so far this season. Well, he's not a good run game coordinator because the run game stinks. <laughs> yeah, it's probably. No, he's like a, a QC coach, I guess. I don't know. The the Q could use a little more C <laughs> in, in some places. Let's not be maligning quality control coaches yeah. and an integral part of the operation. Great euphemism for a team not playing well. Next time I want to criticize like the Cardinals, but like, listen, Q just needs a little more C. Uh, just <laughs> across the board. You just got to get some more C on that Q. The, the Q in Arizona needs more than a little more C. We'll I find think. a spot for him on the coaching staff. We can work him in somewhere. Do we want to talk Harbaugh not? going for it on oh board? goodness gracious we i suppose to? we yeah. shall all on right football podcast coward <laughs> he gave despicable in. man he gave I'm in. i was gonna try to get away with it do you know how i feel bad for mark andrews because you had he had the post-game interview where he's like oh i'm a dog too and he's a dog and he like likes to attack. attack and then you, 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 you bail on him the next the next very next week now if they ask him again he's gonna be like i don't know maybe he's not a dog i i feel like he's gonna find a way to to do some circular logic and and yeah. keep him Keep that dog in him. But okay, yes. So the aforementioned situation. Fourth and one, there's 10 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Ravens are up 13 to 10. Um, Harbaugh likes to have Justin Tucker try a 25-yard field goal instead of going for it. I'm surprised he did that. Um, maybe Justin Tucker was just lobbying him on the sideline. He just really wanted to, you know, get a little bit more, get some more game reps in. But it worked out fine. It could have come back to haunt them. Obviously, you see one of the downsides of doing that, which is the bagels come out with a lot of urgency, end up scoring the touchdown. They did that so fast that then you have Lamar with a minute and 58 with three timeouts left to get into field goal range with for Justin Tucker, which is sort of the only... Like if we talk about Lamar not having any margin for error, that is Lamar's margin for error is like Justin Tucker is your kicker. So sometimes you don't need to move the ball very far. Um, So you kind of saw, you saw the, the way that, that the fact that they needed to score a touchdown made the Bengals play. Like that is one of the downsides of doing, doing that. Although it sort of ended up working in the Ravens favor in the end. Again, I, I just don't think Harbaugh makes that decision very often. 
Does either one of you have a theory as to why he did? Because I do think it's pretty uncharacteristic. He folded. Yeah, I think the public criticism angle is probably a little overstated in the sense of like Harbaugh heard all the complaints and got sad and felt bad that he was doing wrong. I don't that that to me doesn't hold water. The public complaints getting to ownership and ownership getting to Harbaugh, that to me is more possible. Not to say that happened, but that like to me, that's usually the pipeline. It's not like public criticism got to the coach. It's public criticism got to someone who's in charge of the coach. And then that got to the coach. And then there was there was that pressure. The did the frustrating thing is this. The Ravens are up three. They kicked the field goal. Now they're up by six. As you brought up, now the Bengals need to score a touchdown to win. And so they go down the field, they score a touchdown. And then the Ravens have enough time to get down the field and score a field goal. And then, okay, because the Ravens kicked the field goal, got 16 points, they only needed was a field goal to win after the Bengals scored. So yay, taking the points works. They were still, they were trailing. They were losing the football game with two minutes left, which in the Bengals' other two losses, they started trailing to the Dolphins with 14 seconds left and started trailing to the Bills with one second left. Right. As per the previous question, what does Zach Taylor do here? If Zach Taylor knew what he was doing here, Zach Taylor would have ensured that, as like the Dolphins did, as the Bills did, which is a little bit more situational in those games, that Lamar didn't have a minute and 50 seconds and three timeouts to get the ball back. There would have been an effort the second they got inside the 20. All right, we, we need to score here but we also need to make sure they don't have the time to score. And that's the one of the difficult things about modeling and analytics. When should you go for it? When should you not? Is that it's assuming optimal decision-making from both coaching staffs for the remainder of the game. So if Harbaugh internally sat down in his meeting with his game managers and said, yeah, I don't think that guy's going to mess up. <laughs> like, you know, like we're, we're, we're not worried about them kind of like sitting on the ball the way the Bills did. All right, then like uh, maybe, I guess, like if you're trying to call right. your shot and you anticipate Zach Taylor being a, a meathead and not knowing the right way to coach it, whatever. But the the take the points theory working for the Ravens, oh, they keep the field going, they won, only works because the guy on the other sideline also mismanaged, also played into that. And that's the frustrating thing is that this is like a narrative win for taking the points, but it doesn't actually hold up when you look at like what optimal decision-making would have been for both the Ravens and the Bengals. If this is a narrative win for that, then one can make the argument that what happened in the Chargers game, which we'll get to later, was a narrative win for Staley, which from the outside looking in, it didn't feel like one. Yeah, I, I don't think that that's true. That, that the take the points crowd won't take this as a win for the take the points crowd? I, I think try. that's true, but I just I think that this is like a fairly settled... I, the thing that's strange to me about this is that Harbaugh did it because he is normally someone who we expect to make the mathematically right decision in these situations. It's odd to me that he went the other way. I, I do think that most people, maybe I'm too online with this. Maybe I'm too like just seeing people who, you know, follow all of the bots on Twitter. But like, I, I just think that people kind of understand that, that, seven points is more than two times three points. Like, I, I just don't understand how this is still so hard if it is. I definitely think that the majority of people watching Sunday Night Football when Harbaugh brought the field goal unit out on what we have to also emphasize was a fourth and four inches, right? Because that's very important in the modeling, right? right? It's the precise placement of the ball. And this was a fourth and the yellow line is next to the blue line. They are There is a green line on the screen. <laughs> this is as close as it can get. That when he tried the field goal unit out, I am very confident a majority of people went, yeah, it's a good call. That's what you do here. Late in the game, got to take the points. Like, like, to me, like, yeah, in our bubble, yes, people are getting it. 
in the larger NFL watching bubble? No. And that's why, like, Mike Tariq goes up in the booth, like, analytics invites controversy or whatever the heck you put it right yeah, is it just broadcast like, like chris right. consworth who owns pff like gets they get so they do get very skittish of it which i don't really get so i guess to your point that's true because mm. we we're, we're here right now on this podcast talking about this decision and the ins and the outs of it for five minutes every 95 percent of people's football consumption is the actual broadcast in which like Troy Aikman, sorry, Troy, or like Chris or, you know, whomever is just apologies. Yeah, Troy. Exactly. It's just for 12 seconds. Like, well, I don't know. Maybe they go for it. Maybe they, it's the, because of the numbers and oh, they go for it. Wait, Tony, they're going for it. Like that's the whole discussion. And so the thinking's not updated. Okay. Here, here's my one defense of the, the, uh, the choice. Do you trust Greg Roman in that situation? It would have been like a, a handoff to Patrick Ricard or something. Right. They would run the under center jet sweep, which is another gadget play Ben's canceling, by the way. Fourth and one under center jet sweep. Horrible. All right. We got to start making a list. Yeah. Canceling shovel option, Philly special for anyone not Nick Foles. Mm-hmm. And they might have done the Philly special. I wouldn't put it past Roman. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, what did they do on the what did they do on the fourth and three? It was fake tight end QB sneak, uncanceled, great short yardage play. And then motion out to sale. And it's like, Okay, incredibly. Wait, the short yardage QB sneak was 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 canceled before? No, 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 the, no, no, no. Just clarifying among cool plays that everybody's doing. Tight end QB sneak, where like the tight end motions in, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Sneaks it. That's uncanceled. That's great. We still love that one. That was awesome. Why was it canceled? It wasn't. Was I was just canceled? canceling a lot of plays. So I wanted to make it clear that okay. I'm cool with okay. that. It remains okay. uncanceled. I'm, I'm with you. Yes. Anyway. When they, I think it's not canceled. It's not uncanceled. Uncanceled implies prior cancellation. Yeah. Wait, Stephen, can we get a ruling? This is you. I mean, this is your your arena here. Uh, from my perspective, everything is canceled until proven uncanceled. <laughs> okay. So that's, there that's you how I do it. Regardless, right, that's a W for on Ben. That, on that fourth down, that's like an extremely gutsy call. And yes, there's a chance that the Ravens do that again. But I feel like that's such an easy sneak spot that there's no way Greg Roman messes it up. I don't think this game told us anything about either of these teams like com- comparatively in the, the AFC North race. Like it's still wide open to me. My main final takeaway is just that the Ravens two losses were games that they trailed for a combined total of 15 seconds. This is a really, really, really good football team. Issues, weaknesses, stuff to wrinkle out. Really, really, really good football team. Can I leave you guys with, with one note? Sure. Mm-hmm. The game winning field goal. This is using the next-gen stats ball tracking data. Oh, I love this. Game-winning field goal by the one and only Justin Tucker. It went through the uprights with, I'm going to use math words that I barely understand, but just, you know, take me at my word. With a Y coordinate of 26.52, the exact middle of the field is at the Y coordinate of 26.67. Mm-hmm. In much plainer English, that means that that kick would have gone through the uprights if they were half a yard wide. 18 inches. 18 inches of daylight. Justin Tucker would have been whoo, yeah. right through. This after McPherson's go-ahead yeah. point after went above the upright, which is in? Extend the no. uprights. Extend the uprights. Like, why are we being cheap with, yell- like, with pole? Or, like, just think for a second. Like, if a ball hit the upright flush, would it go in? No. Okay, then it's not in. I don't know what we were doing here. Can we have a moment of humility in honor of in honor of Mr. Tucker and just acknowledge that at the beginning of this podcast, a game was proposed that was just Steven stating a fact? No, the game was guess Joe Burrow's A dot.
<laughs> no, what I no heard. hints given. It's a terrible just game. Just stab in the dark on a low number. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much, Ben. Your 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 cue needs no additional C. It is perfectly <laughs> controlled. Um, good to see you as always, bud. Five and O Eagles, baby. Go birds. End the NFL week right on Monday night with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And one of my favorite things about FanDuel is picking my favorite props and building a same game parlay. Perfect for tonight's game on Monday night, we have the Chiefs and the Raiders. And my same game parlay for that game is the Chiefs plus seven. Patrick Mahomes over 250 pass yards. I think the Chiefs have a lot to prove after losing this matchup last year and the Raiders kind of celebrated a little too much after the game. And then I'll go with Kelsey 60 plus receiving yards. And with FanDuel's new live same game parlays, you can continue to build SGPs even after the game has started. There's no feeling like nailing a same game parlay bet. So lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. New to FanDuel Sportsbook? Get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000 with promo code RINGERNFL. That's promo code RINGERNFL. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. 21 plus in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or Text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777, or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-877-8-HOPE-NY, or text HOPE-NY to 467-369 in New York. Tennessee Redline, 1-800-889-9789 in Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 in Kansas and Wyoming, or visit 1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, let's get to winners and losers. Steven, who is your first winner? My first winner is the Steelers, who won 38-3. Oh, oh, sorry. The the Bills who won 38 to three. The Steelers did not score 38 points decidedly. I didn't see that game. Uh, But this game, uh, the game winning play came on third and 10 from the two yard line with 14 minutes left in the first quarter. The the Bills botched the opening kickoff, start their opening possession from the two yard line, get zero yards on their first two plays. And do you know what Josh Allen does next? He throws like a uh, a forty yard post route into twenty mile per hour uh, wind, and Gabriel Davis does the rest, and that's the end of yeah. the game. Seven nothing. That was going to be my guess. Was just a, a ridiculous throw to Gabe Davis because that was this entire game. I feel like this was like a huge game for the Bills, not just because they won by thirty five points, but if you rewind to last year, week one, they played the same team at, at the same stadium, and the Steelers came out with this game plan where they basically forced Josh Allen to check the ball down, and Josh Allen was not comfortable doing that. And he couldn't push the ball downfield either. Now, a year later, it it seems like Josh Allen has figured out the short stuff and the bills are still really freaking good at pushing the ball downfield. Even if you play these two high coverages and that's because of the emergence of Gabe Davis, who goes for three receptions, 171 yards and two touchdowns. This was like the ideal idealized version of the bills passing game. Gabe Davis, Stefan Diggs, Khalil Shakir all contribute it. Like nobody's beating this team when this passing game's operating on this level. 
Josh Allen had five throws of 20 air yards or more. He had eight total coming into this game. This was like an unlocked version. And I'm not surprised because this was the first time that Gabe Davis was really, he wasn't uh, hurt. He's been dealing with injuries. He hasn't gotten a full workload. He got it today. And then the breakout game came for the whole passing game. Right. Yeah. No, them, them finding the deep ball is, I, I think just really, it's hard to say it's good to see because they've been such a good offense so far, but going into this game, Josh Allen was 23rd and average depth target. And, and that's not because he can't, mm-hmm. right? That's just because they've chosen to play a certain way. But as you get through the season, you want as many tools in the toolkit as possible for starters. Second of all, if you have Josh Allen, you have to, you have to be doing that. Yes. You want to be throwing long touchdowns. So that was one of the the few things that we hadn't seen them quite unlock as part of a game plan. So a, a, a big encouraging development for them, even though, you know, Pittsburgh was playing without its top three corners. I don't think this defense yeah. has been really anything impressive, especially since they lost Watt. So take it with a grain of salt, but still we've seen them do that before. We've seen Josh Allen to Gabe Davis be such a huge connection in the playoffs. So there's sort of no reason to think that they won't be able to continue it when they need to. Um, what did you think of the Steelers? Uh, do we have to talk about Kenny Pickett? <laughs> I mean, hey, if, if Kenny Pickett got like two extra yards to each side of the field, we might have had a little bit of a ball game here. Yeah, it was his passing map. If you can look it up, if you find it, it's 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 not good. It's it's I don't think it's his fault. It's tough playing against that pass rush and the, the Steelers offensive line hasn't been that great. The offense under Matt Canada isn't very well designed, but I do think there was one issue that I would have if I was a Steelers fan, a Steelers fan after watching this game, because you had 20 mile per hour wind. You had Josh Allen on one sideline. You had your first round pick, Kenny Pickett on the other. And it looked like they were playing in two different stadiums. Like Josh Allen was completely unaffected by the wind, just throwing darts downfield into the face of the wind. Kenny Pickett could not throw into the wind. He, he, he just couldn't like the ball was dying midair. He threw a couple passes that were just like, just ducks. They were quacking. And I mean, I would be less concerned <laughs> if he didn't play in Pittsburgh, like he's going to be right. playing in this type of weather for the next 15 years. Hopefully if you're the Steelers, Is he? yeah, I'm trying to be optimistic. Let me be optimistic for Steelers fans, but yeah, it was rough. It, it was rough. one and four. This is why, this is why you don't, make his first start against the bills and against Von Miller and against that pass rush and against that defense, which is so well coached. They're not going to give you anything easy. And he didn't get anything easy. All of his like good plays were, were basically prayers to the, the perimeter to Pickens. It, it was a tough game for a rookie. I felt bad for him, but I, I feel like he played as well as you could have hoped. He just didn't show you something that if you had a low opinion of him going into the game, that you would change it. Like, it's just like a status quo game. I mean, he had some attitude, right? He tried to, like, fight Shaq Lawson at the end, so. Yeah, build an offense around that. that. (laughs) I'm into it. All right, my first winner, the New York football giants uh, pulling off the upset in London against the Packers 27 to 22 with a hobbled Daniel Jones, um, which I think, I think we have to give the Giants a pass on not committing to the option because Daniel Jones couldn't really, he started scrambling in the, in the second half a little bit, but for the first half of the game, he was not moving a lot out there. Um, he's hurting. They're missing their top four receivers. 
They still didn't let Aaron Rodgers complete a single deep ball with three of their top four corners missing. Saquon gets banged up by the end of the game. Daniel Jones is like bleeding everywhere. This was an unbelievable coaching job. And the reward for that is that they're probably going to make the playoffs um, because they're, they're four and one. And since 2002, 75 out of hundred teams that have started four and one have made the playoffs. Now you have to adjust that for what would have happened if there had always been 14 playoff teams, which another six teams would have made it if that had always been the case. The 17th game fudges it a little bit, but that works out. Let's call it roughly 80% of teams with that kind of start make the postseason. That's not automatic. 80 is not a hundred. Um, and the giants are in a division with the only undefeated team in football, which doesn't help. But at the start of the season, if somebody had said a quarter of the way through this thing, the giants are going to have an 80% shot at the playoffs. Uh, any person in that organization or with an interest in that organization, I think would have taken that. And I really do think that it, it comes down mostly to coaching because they've outscored opponents 70 to 39 in second halves. And look, the Packers defense in particular, I think has way underperformed expectations, but that's still a more talented team than the giants with, you know, Marcus Johnson and, and trotting out their second and third stringers. And that's coaching. That's coaching. That's making adjustments. So if we see the giants in, in the playoffs, which right now it's more likely than not that we will, I think that's going to make a really good case for Brian Dable for coach of the year. And more importantly, anyone involved in that team's just got to feel really good. Yeah. I feel like this, this franchise needed, like we could talk about the mistakes that Dave Gettleman made when building the roster, but the biggest mistakes were coach hirings. Like they've just failed at it three straight times. McAdoo, Shermer, Joe judge, obviously, but it feels like five games into this, that Dayball is at the very least a good coach. And that, that just means so much. Like we're already seeing the effect it's had on Saquon who hasn't been blessed with like the best offensive coordinators. Like no. when, you, when you come up with a, a list of the worst offensive coordinators to get the most out of a talent like that, like a dynamic running back receiving hybrid talent, like Jason Garrett and Joe judge and Pat Shermer are at the top of that list. So I, no matter how this ends, I think we could say that Dayball has a chance at being a very good coach. And that's a win for the Giants. Well, and also look like we talk about the mistakes the Giants have made hiring head coaches in the past, but, and, and Dable is obviously seems like an upgrade over those guys. We spend a lot of time every Sunday looking at coaching decisions and feeling like there are more than a handful of teams that are not being well run. So yes, it's an obvious improvement over where they've, they've come from, but also he, I believe, is a good enough coach where much more often than not, you go into a game, you know, if you're a Giants fan or you're somebody who plays for that team, you're going to feel like you have a coaching advantage over a lot of guys. I mean, I, you know, I think a very popular joke or not joke or, or comment to make this morning was, man, imagine Justin Herbert with Brian Dable, right? Like, and I don't know that I think that's fair, but there are a lot of imagine X with Brian Dable, right? He doesn't have to be the best coach in football. I don't, I don't think that you can prove something like that in that amount of time. I don't think that the giants have a resume that really backs that up, but 
there are a lot of guys where we look at and go, some of these, these decisions just seem a little bit deficient. And then you look at a team that has so many injuries and has to sort of press all the right buttons playing a team that I think has a really good head coach, but the Packers still look super disjointed in a lot of ways. The defense is underperforming its talent level. And they're in this game where they're averaging almost five yards per carry. Rogers is still dropping back 41 times. He hands it off 19 times. You know, it's tied 2020. The Giants kept um, the Packers defense on the field for like eight minutes. They go on this long touchdown drive. And then the Packers offense comes back on the field and, you know, their defense is, is exhausted. The offense comes back three incomplete passes. They keep them on the sideline for 26 seconds. And then the Giants come back and, and put together another touchdown drive. So Matt LaFleur, I think is a really good coach, right? But like, it's just remarkable that I'm sitting here feeling this way and saying this after they won a game against a team that I do think is well coached. So like we talk about how many mistakes they've made choosing coaches in the past. Well, a lot of teams make mistakes choosing coaches. So if you have a really good one, you're going to be able to count on that advantage fairly regularly. It's not fair to expect Dayball to press the right buttons every week when he's working with this talent deficiency. But at the very least, so far through five weeks, it has worked out for him, but you could at least see him trying to push buttons and find the right buttons to push it. Whereas in the past, especially with this team, it's kind of been offensive coordinators forcing these these weapons, these pieces into their offense and not making enough changes. Like Jason Garrett's offense just wasn't, it wasn't tailored to the skill set of the, the Giants' skill players. And I, I think at the very least, you're getting that from Dayball. And... I mean, like you said, LaFleur is one of the best coaches in the, in the NFL, and it, it was clear who was the better, better coaching staff on Sunday. Your guy, Don Wink Martindale. My guy. Emboldened. Emboldened. The Packers' last real drive in this game ends with two batted passes on third and fourth down. Fourth down, they blitz Xavier McKinney, his favorite guy to blitz. He gets a hand. They win the game. They have to... the. Packers ended up quickly getting the ball back. And after that, they did the whole thing with the safety, but yeah, he's going to, he's going to live or die with the blitz. This man was playing like his ninth corner in Baltimore against the Bengals against <laughs> Joe Burrow, T Higgins, Jamar chase. And he was still sending the house. He does not care. He does not care. Not scared to compete. It's like the Tomlin. We do not care. Good coaching staff though. Good coaching. Staff. All right. Let's talk about some losers. Who's your first one? All right, my first loser is uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars who dropped a two and three with a disappointing home loss to the Texans. They lose 13 to six. It was a weird game. Like this was a game the Jaguars, if you just watched it without looking at the score at the end, you would think the Jaguars would have dominated it. Like every time you looked up, they had the ball. And yet, Steven. And yet they scored six points and they lost to Davis Mills. And it was just like a series. It was like, no, it was like a couple of bad plays. Like, I don't think Trevor Lawrence was that bad. Like you, if you look at his box score, you're going to say that, uh, Oh, this was 2021 Trevor Lawrence. Okay. No, you, you, you are being an apologist here. That interception to Stingley. Okay. Yeah. That was, was bad. No one in their right mind should try that. No, throw. they shouldn't. No, I agree. That was the one throw that I thought was like the worst. That was the, the worst play of the game. But I also do think that, Stingley deserves some credit because he kind of baited Lawrence into the throw. It looked like he was going to have his eyes on the receiver. And then at the last second, he found Lawrence and then just picked the ball he, like, off easily. Switched. Yeah. But other than that, if you look at this game and inexcusable under any circumstances, I, I, agree with that. I agree with that. 
But Trevor Lawrence said it after the game. He's like, I'm, I've put some throws in there, man. You put on the highlight reel. Like, there is like eight unreal throws. The thing was, I think Lovey Smith outcoached Doug Peterson today. Like, if you see the incompletions that Trevor Lawrence uh, threw, they were all over the middle of the field, intermediate area. And the Texans just were had zone droppers dropping right into the windows of the throws, forcing tough throws for Lawrence. Now, should he make more of those throws? Yes. Should the bar be higher for a generational prospect who was the first overall pick? Yes. I think he's still too inconsistent, and that's what's holding him back from being the top 10 quarterback I thought he would be by the end, end of the year. But he's still showing these flashes. These, these flashes we're not seeing from any other young quarterback who's come into the league over the last two years. I, I'm, I don't feel bad about Trevor Lawrence after watching the game. I thought I would feel a lot worse. Like having seen bits and pieces of the game when it was on live, but rewatching it, I think Trevor Lawrence didn't play that poorly. What's the deal with their red zone offense? That Come on, this is a, they're playing the Texans. It's, it's that inconsistency. This is a young team. I feel like, and I was guilty of this. I like too much too soon. After the, the start to the season, when they had the winning record, they were in first place in the AFC South. We were all excited. They had taken advantage of some bad teams. I still think they're a year away. They've taken advantage of some bad teams. They just lost to the Texans. That's the whole issue. Yeah, I know. Consistency. They can't consistently take care, uh, take advantage of bad teams, apparently. All right. We'll, I, we'll see. I'm not off the island. I know you're not on the island still, but I'm not off Trevor. Yeah, Lawrence. I was. I was never on the island. I was close to the island. I'm. I'm swimming away <laughs> from the island right now, but I'm willing to. I'll, I'll paddle slowly for now, but that's a lot of six turnovers in the last two games. Yeah, it's bad. Shout out Damian Pierce. Though. It's a lot. That man has like the density of like. A, just changing the subject. He was like the best player on the field. Shout out Damian Pierce. He shout out. Damian he bullied Pierce. a. a, a Defensive line that has bullied a lot of teams. He has like the density of a bowling ball. That man is hard to tackle. It looked like the Jaguars. It was like CGI defenders trying to tackle him. It like didn't affect him at all. He won them the game and, and lovey Smith. He's very good. All right. Speaking of bullying by defensive line. Uh, my first loser is the Los Angeles Rams who lost to the Cowboys 22 to 10 and are now two and three. This game did not make me optimistic that the defending Super Bowl champions can fix their issues. The biggest of which is very obviously their offensive line. That has been the case. Matt Stafford, according to True Media, was under pressure on 46% of his dropbacks. Again, I am not a math whiz, but that is almost half. Seems bad. Uh, He took five sacks, hit 10 times. He's been sacked 21 times this year. Line issues do not seem to be getting any better. David Edwards had been dealing with a concussion. He also left this game not before the first quarter when he gave up a sack on third and one that led to the Stafford fumble that the Cowboys scooped and and scored with. Um, I I think this is an issue to the point that the offense as a whole is just becoming kind of untenable. We had another game where Allen Robinson was virtually non-existent. He had 12 receiving yards in the entire game. The offensive line is like a number one issue but without a viable number two to take pressure off Cooper cup, they, the, this offense can't like stress out a defense at all. And I actually give them credit for trying to figure out what to do. Like you can see them trying to find something that will work. They're trying to, you know, they, they line Skoranek up next to him and, and motion him away to try to get a defensive tell they're doing trick plays. They're using a fake silent count. Like I, I really do give McVeigh and this coaching staff credit for throwing the kitchen sink at the problem. 
But what that means is that you're desperate and that you know that you, you don't have the talent you need to win a game, even if your defense, and, and I get that it's, you know, to Cooper rush, but your defense gives up 15 points and that ends up not being enough. Yeah. You're not a good team. Like you're not a good team. If you have to play like that, they're not a good team. And this feels a lot like 2019, the year after they lost the Super Bowl to new England, when defenses started using that blueprint and Sean McVay was just every week, desperate for answers, desperate for answers. And there's no answer for a bad offensive line. That was the problem. Then that's the problem now. And there's another issue. Like you said, it's just Cooper cup. And there's no one else. And this really highlights the importance of Odell to this, to that Super Bowl run last right. year, having him offer protection against defenses, doubling and selling out to stop Cooper cup was, that was the whole thing. That's why they made the run to the Super Bowl because of him. He might've been the most important player besides Stafford and cup on that team. And Allen Robinson just isn't that guy. He just isn't that guy. He's he doesn't offer the vertical threat that Odell always had. So teams can't just sit on like the intermediate inbreakers that Odell ran a lot of. They can do that with Allen Robinson. That's the issue. It's 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 not it's just the verticality of Allen Robinson's route tree, which tends to be pretty diverse. But it's it's like he shouldn't overnight. I mean, he finally has a decent quarterback, right? Like he shouldn't have just turned into a pumpkin. But I feel like we started to see the signs that he was turning into a pumpkin last year. Like his 50-50 contested catch rate, it was down. He wasn't making as many down. catches downfield. Like there were signs. And it's a player that has had knee injuries. He didn't have a lot of speed to begin with. He never created a lot of separation. And when you're when you're running those routes over the middle of the field, it's a little harder for the quarterback to trust you when there's not a lot of separation. Now, if you're running like a go ball down the sideline and there's not a lot of separation, you could throw a back shoulder fade, but there's no option for that over the middle of the field. They need to find an answer. Maybe it's Odell. Maybe Odell gets healthy again in time for him him to come back in December or whatever. And that would unlock a lot of things, but I don't know what the answer is. I think it's a personnel issue and there's, I don't know if Sean McVay can figure it out. I don't know if he, even he can coach around this. McVeigh was saying uh, a bunch of times after the game, he just kept saying about Stafford, I think he needs more help. Yes. I guess you <laughs> kind of like that. Maybe the difference between um, when this has happened in the past and now is that he won't quite turn on the quarterback in the same way because he kind of picked him. But that seemed like him kind of calling out, like we have some personnel issues. We don't have enough guys who can be, week to week winners to just make this offense work. And I I do think that if, if it's Odell, but like, you don't know how healthy Odell is going to be, right? right? Like we don't know what he will look like if, and when he's back, we also, I I give Odell a lot of credit for this, but he, he might be a little fickle if, if the Rams are the clear little brother in, in their own division, which I think they're going to be as long as this offensive line is in a state where, you know, Kyle Shanahan would salivate any opportunity to play them again. Mm -hmm. Like he'd play them every single game for the rest of the season. If he could, it's just not something that they can, it's, it's the worst possible matchup. And it happens to be the team that they need to be in their division. Speaking of Odell, we know Odell's dad is watching the tape and he's breaking it down. He's not going to let him go back to another bad offense. He's going to see that offensive line and go, no, go to Buffalo. Cooper rush 10 of 16 for a hundred and two passing yards, no touchdowns, no interceptions. We had joked last week that we were going to sign a Kirk of the week. 
I don't think this even this is like a Jimmy Garoppolo of the week. Yeah. Yeah, this is a Jimmy. Of the Maybe week. Jimmy was the Kirk of the week and Cooper Rush is the Jimmy. Of the Maybe week. we need to uh, rename the award to the Jimmy of the week. The Jimmy of Although the week. Jimmy, I don't know. Kirk of the week. Jimmy had a Jimmy week, too. Jimmy's not going to give up that that uh, awards line down. But yeah, it's uh, we're not going to do like the Dak. Like Cooper Cup is winning. No, we're Cooper not Rush doing is, it. Okay, My dad you. texted me about this today. We're not doing thank it. You. We don't need 10 to do of it. 16 for 102 yards. Enough. Cooper, like we've seen enough of Cooper Rush. Let's get Dak back. It's been fun. Let's get Dak back. It's been fun. It's it's wildly beyond anything that I expected for Cooper Rush. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. But we're not doing 10 of 16 for 102 yards. Dak Prescott quarterback controversy. That is not happening. Okay, cool. Now, if, if Dak's not healthy, like different story. But no, we're not doing this. All right. Sounds good. I just did, I just wanted to make sure. So should I give you a winner? Go for it. All right. My winner is the New York Jets. I did not see this coming. I got to be honest with you. 40 to 17. It was, it was a great game for this offense. I don't know if it was a great game for Zach Wilson. It was a good game for Zach Wilson, but for this offense and like the theory behind the offense and Mike LaFleur and what they're building and what Joe Doug- Douglas is building, like this is what you wanted to see out of the Jets. And yes, like Teddy Bridgewater goes down on the first play. The first play that's ruled a safety, I don't know if it should have been. It, it seemed like Teddy Bridgewater was trying to throw a screen pass, but it, the ball got knocked loose. He hit his head. He uh, got put into concussion protocol. Skylar Thompson comes in. And I thought the Dolphins offense was fine. Like the the game plan stuff, like the running game was still very, very effective. I think they averaged like 0.3 EPA per run on early downs. But it's hard to apply a game plan that you made for a veteran pocket passer like Teddy Bridgewater, who's who's good at going through his progressions, who's a crafty right. quarterback. And then you throw a rookie from Kansas State from a Big 12 offense into the fold against or on the road against a, a defense that's not good, but they have pieces. I, I just think it was a, like a it was a no win situation for the Dolphins. But that does not take away from what the Jets did. That offense that's how it's supposed to look. The run game was, was great. Zach Wilson was never asked to do anything that was too hard. Like his third down, his third down plays were all manageable. He took some sacks. He, he took some ugly sacks, but beyond that, he made the throws he had to make. He did not have to attempt a pass over 10 yards in between the numbers at all this game. I think, I think he attempted two and he, uh, it was, they were both incompletions, but he was, he was doing enough on the other throws to keep the, uh, the offense ahead of the chains. Mike LaFour's game plan was good. Just a good game for the Jets. This is what you want to see. I don't know if this, this is going to continue. I don't think they're going to be in first place or be vying for first place all season long, but this is a game you could build on. Yeah. I mean, they ended a 12 game losing streak against the AFC straight. So it's, it's helpful to remember where we're coming from when we talk about the Jets for the Dolphins. You know, when they beat Buffalo, I really felt like that game didn't say very much about the bills mm-hmm. because of the injuries, because of some of the situational stuff that, that, was sort of high leverage and, and swings the outcome of the game. And I heard from a bunch of Dolphins fans saying like, come on, it can't just be the injuries. Well, here, I'm going to give you this one. I, I'm not going to say too much about a, a, a Dolphins result when they lose Teddy on the first play. It's Skylar Thompson. They also don't have Toronto Armstead. They're missing Xavier Howard. Like yeah. y- you get a gimme in that situation. I don't think that that's like deeply representative of what the Dolphins are, but the jets I'm with you. I'm not expecting them to do this week in and week out this season, but Joe Douglas, I I feel like had been in a a situation where he came in, he got that job. People were so excited. You know, 
thinking so highly of the Eagles infrastructure that he came out of. And it had been, you know, the results had been mixed. Right. And, and I still like the jury for me remains out on Wilson and we'll see, but the draft class looks really solid. Like sauce Gardner got another pick. He could be the defensive rookie of the year. Brees Hall was really, really good in this game. Things have certainly turned the corner for guys that he's brought in. Like obviously not a, not a draft pick, but Shaq Lawson has ended up being such a, a contributor for them this year. And, and they had to wait because of the injury, but the guys that he's brought into that organization have started to contribute in a meaningful way. And that is something that we have not really been able to say. Um, also I enjoyed seeing Tyree kill, try to tackle Quinn Williams. Yes, that did not go well, but I I'll say this about Joe Douglas. Everything comes down to how good Zach Wilson is. But I do think at least that was the theory going into the season, but I do think Joe Douglas has been so good around that Wilson pick and it was as close to a consensus as you could get with, uh, with draft with like a draft class that deep at quarterback. I think he could survive if Zach Wilson like doesn't develop into a starter. I think they'll give him another chance to draft another quarterback because he's been so good at drafting every other position. And there's a lot of young talent on this team. I don't think you give up on a GM that's capable of supplying that much young talent in like what, two or three years. I wouldn't, I'm, I'm, I would not be mad about it. Yeah. But I also, I want to give credit to Michael floor because I think he crafted a perfect game plan for Zach Wilson against a defense that can make things really hard on quarterbacks, especially young quarterbacks. The dolphins were doing their typical like double a gap stuff, their Patriots styles, uh, like blitzes and stuff in disguises. Zach Wilson was getting rid of the ball quicker than he did last week. Yeah. His, his, uh, Average time to throw in week four was 3.3 seconds. This week it was 2.6. I think that's a testament to the type of offense they're running. They're running a lot of RPOs now. This is a good offense, good design. As long as Zach Wilson is like good enough, I don't know if that means he's going to be a franchise quarterback, but I think he can keep this offense afloat in ways that Joe Flacco couldn't. <laughs> I, I, I don't mean to laugh because I actually totally agree with you. And that's a very good point. It's just yeah, like Joe Flacco has low key been the best Jets quarterback of the last like three years. All right. <laughs> we got to move on. Uh, my next win is the new England Patriots who beat the lions 29 to nothing defense shut out the top scoring offense in the league, or at least what had been. And Bailey Zappi got his first career win, which is of course, very exciting for Bailey Zappi. Uh, that said, I think the most meaningful thing for the Patriots from this game has to do with what happens when Bailey Zappi is no longer playing for them, which is, I think they have looked at the last two weeks where they gave the Packers a game and then beat the lions. We're not a good team, but are a good offense um, and have shown that they can be a tough out. I, I think they've looked at those games with Bailey Zappi and gone, we need to make this easier on the quarterback and play action has reentered the game plan. They're leaning on the run game. Ramondre Stevens had had an incredible game. Um, 25 carries for 161 yards gave them such a boost. Offensive line ended up looking so much better. Zappi didn't get hit at all. And they were moving the ball. And then you get to the defense. And, you know, if if Sauce Gardner isn't the defensive player of the year, it might be Jack Jones, who's continued to be super, super impressive. They get six stops on fourth down, which is an NFL record. Shut out what had been this this high scoring offense, which is still dealing with some injuries. But still, you don't become the highest scoring offense in the NFL through the first month of the year by accident. And I I just think the lesson is that sometimes it takes teams knowing that their backs are kind of against the wall to run the good plays. And there is so much of this that, I mean, 
Bailey Zappi and Mac Jones, you can barely tell which is which in a lineup, right? Like we shouldn't treat these guys like they are just wildly. And of course they're very different players. Mac Jones is wildly more experienced than Bailey Zappi, but a lot of the stuff that has kept Bailey Zappi afloat in these two games, I don't understand why it's not a part of the game plans when Mac is playing quarterback, particularly the play action stuff. It's, it's been something that they've done with him um, or it was last year and, and it just really hadn't been. And I don't get it. And I, I hope that they look at a result like this and go, Oh, we should do the things that help the quarterback. Yeah. It's kind of like you look at Mac Jones's strength as like a processor and you, maybe you, your expectations for what he could do are a little higher than they should be. Like you should be making things easy on your quarterback. Right. You shouldn't be making things as hard as possible just because he might be capable of, of running an offense before the snap and, and running a drop back passing game. But yes, like the, I think I said this to you earlier. It, this felt like a, a game plan from early last year for Mac Jones. And when he was going so good during his rookie year, totally. And then defense has found ways to make things harder on Mac. And we haven't seen the Patriots find a way to make things easier since then, but now we're seeing it with Bailey Zappi. And I, I honestly think this was just a big win for Bill Belichick. He kind of needs a W. <laughs> I feel like he hasn't, he he's needed a W this year just because like everyone was making fun of him for the Joe judge, Matt Patricia thing. The defense has kind of been suspect, but like this was the perfect, this is the ideal game for Belichick to bounce back. Well, and, and for Patricia, right? This is a Matt Patricia revenge game, right? You're playing one of the worst defenses in the NFL. You're Matt Patricia. You, you obviously coach there. You, you helped contribute to this defense, like the, the foundation of this defense and why it's so bad. But like Bill Belichick, we talked about the lions offense and how it's like kind of old school. They run a lot of run concepts. They run a lot of like pulling guards and power runs and it's very exotic. Do you know who's built to stop that type of offense? Like a Bill Belichick defense. He knows how to stop an old school right. offense. And I think this was just up his wheelhouse. And I don't like, I don't think this is like proof that the Lions offense is going to just totally fall off a cliff now. But I do think that I, I, I think just this was like a terrible matchup and a good matchup for Belichick. And he took advantage of it, showing that he still has his fastball when you give him a chance. Well, the Lions have been coasting on very good vibes. So we'll see what happens now that they've gotten a stinker in there. Great uniforms, though, for the Patriots. Can we just go back to those uniforms full time? Oh, it, it looks so good. And the way they painted the end zones looked fantastic. 10 out of 10. Another team that needs to go back to their their 1990s throwbacks, the Seattle Seahawks. Oh, boy. Which they're my next loser. Are you on the warpath? They like ruined a, a great <sighs> Geno day. Like if they win this game, we're talking about Geno. Well, there's Geno MVP discourse tomorrow. Another great game for Geno. Three touchdown passes. He averaged over 10 yards per attempt. Should have had a game-winning uh, uh, throw deep uh, late in the game. He had a bunch of deep throws to Tyler Lockett. He had a, like an improvised throw to DK Metcalf that turned into a touchdown. Didn't matter because they couldn't stop Taysom Hill. And I was going to, we were going to make Taysom Hill a winner because he had what, what was it, nine carries, 112 yards, three touchdowns. He had a passing touchdown. They averaged 12.5 yards per play when he either took the snap or threw the pass. Amazing. Just like Taysom touches the ball. Automatic 12 and a half yards. 1.3 EPA. Sean Payton is like rolling over in his television studio. Was Sean Payton holding Taysom Hill back? <laughs> He's going to unretire. He, yeah, I think he supported him too much. Like Taysom Hill needed a hater in his life. And Sean Payton wasn't <laughs> giving him that fuel for that fire. So, but like 1.3 EPA per run by Taysom Hill, 78% success rate. And we were going to make Taysom Hill a winner, but like 
this isn't like the the Dolphins springing the Wildcat offense on the Patriots that one year. Like we know what Taysom Hill is. When Taysom Hill's back there, we know what he, it's a Wildcat formation. You can't handle the Wildcat. You can't handle the Wildcat. Like Pete Carroll. I don't even blame Pete Carroll. I blame the nerds. All right. Not even just the nerds, <laughs> like the film people. We all bullied Pete Carroll for playing cover three and playing single high. And like the NFL's changing. You got to do the two high thing. And he hired all these new coaches and they installed this new offense or new defense. It's a softer defense. They can't tackle anymore. They can't tackle. They couldn't wow. tackle Taysom Hill. According to PFF's tackling grade, which I think is just like a glorified tackle rate, they're 29th in tackling this year. And that was before this game when they couldn't tackle Taysom Hill. Where's Gus Bradley when you need him? Bring back Gus. We need we need a harder Seahawks uh, defense. And I, when I'm saying like they're soft, I'm like saying like, oh yeah, they need to like be stronger and man up or whatever. I'm saying like the philosophy of the defense is to play softer, to like force to play light boxes and try to hold the offense to like four yard runs. But when you can't right. tackle four yard runs, turn into seven yard runs and second and three is very easy for an offense and very hard for a defense. And that's what we're seeing with this team. It, the Gino. Yeah. It's, it's tough that we can't talk about talk more about this Gino performance because it really felt like he heard everybody's takes that like, Oh, he, he runs this offense. Well, he's better for the system and was like, screw you. I can take the Russell Wilson playbook and make that better too. I'm going to scramble. I'm going to throw deep. Great throws. Great throws under pressure. Tough scene. Tough scene. We could talk about it, but, you know, Taysom Hill single-handedly killed the, those Seahawks defense. I mean, it's typical Gino. He's, he might do it next week. He's, he's going to keep it up. He's going to be in the MVP race all season. We'll have plenty of time to talk about it. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. There's no better feeling than a personal win, and the State Farm personal price plan can help you do just that. Talk to a State Farm agent today to learn how you can bundle and save with the personal price plan. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices are based on rating plans that vary by state. Coverage options are selected by the customer. Availability, amount of discounts and savings, and eligibility vary by state. This episode is brought to you by Modelo. What does a true fan look like? It's cheering the loudest. It's never missing a game, no matter what. And for that, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Because you are a fighter, and Modelo is your reward. Modelo, the mark of a fighter. Shop delivery or pickup options near you at ordermodello.com. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there, just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier, thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive, or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side-by-side. Side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. All right. Last but not least. Well, 
My final loser, uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Technically they lose the to least. Benjamin Solak's Eagles, 20 to 17. Yeah, the, to talk about the Q needing a little bit more C. Um, we could talk about why the Eagles were tied with the Cardinals in the fourth quarter in a minute. But the thing that we have to talk about here is what happened at the end of the game. It's second and 10. There's 36 seconds left. The Cardinals are at the Eagles, 34. Kyler scrambles near the first down line. He thinks he gets it, even though he's short. He thinks it's first and 10. So he spikes the football. Really, it's third and one. So the spike makes it fourth and one. I'm sorry. This is, I don't understand how this happens. Um, and then they go to, they have to kick the field goal. So they kick the field goal and the kicker they've signed up the street misses. The Eagles are five and oh, the Cardinals are two and three. Uh, it's not good. It's just not good. I just don't understand how that happens. Um, I saw people tweeting that there might've been a video board that had it wrong, in which case, like I, I, I take some of the blame away from Kyler, but like Cliff, man, this is your job. You gotta know the situation. You gotta know if you converted the first down, please be sure before doing something like spiking a football when it's going to prevent you from running another play. This is, this is like a team that's just comprised of like a series of bits. It's like every game is just a series of bits. Rondale Moore is he's definitely a bit. a bit. Yeah, he's a bit. Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury is a bit. They're, it's like they're coached by a, a, a picture of Ryan Gosling that was drawn from memory. That's with Cliff Kingsbury. <laughs> he's not even a run game coordinator anymore. He's a sketched Ryan Gosling. I don't yes. know that I get that one, but all right, all right, we'll workshop it. We'll workshop I don't, it. I don't, I don't know. I don't know either, but uh, it, I think he buried the lead here. It was a double XP weekend on Call of Duty. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know if Kyler Murray did his four no, hours we're not of study. blaming Kyler for this. I don't know if he did his four hours of independent study this week. We're not blaming Kyler for this. Kyler's all they have. We should take away his PS5. No, we should take away Cliff's Rondale Moore privileges. Okay, I'm fine with that. Kyler can keep his PS5. That's fine. Okay, are we concerned about the Eagles though? Uh, no. Okay. It, it, no, it, I, I think so. They're they're a little banged up up front. And mm -hmm. it looked like what they were having. It seemed like that was really affecting um, the throws they were asking Hurts to make. That was a Kenny Pickett ass passing chart for Jalen Hurts. <laughs> Do you want to play my favorite game? Guess the A dot. <laughs> All right. Um, 4.2. 3.8. Okay. Yeah. That's fun, that Steven. Not as low as Joe Burrow, but yeah, it's a great game. It's a great, it's a great game. game. Love it. Peacock is interested. They're, 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 they might make an offer. <laughs> Going to put it on Peacock. Does, would Peacock use a game like that? I don't know. That's just my, that's just my go-to no, like, like joke. No, like the New York Times buying Wordle would make more sense. I'm not very cultured, okay? <laughs> All I have is Peacock. <laughs> I got a free Peacock uh, subscription. It's the only thing I watch. Oh, God. That's an incredible bit. Just like what someone's references would be if they just only watched Peacock. Um, okay. No, I'm not that worried about the Eagles. It's definitely something okay. to monitor uh, just because if the health situation doesn't get better. Yeah. Kelsey left. We the game. will need to to see if they can come up with some counters so that it's not just um, Jalen Hurts throwing. What was it? 3.8 yards. Yeah. Just a bunch of RPOs. Yeah. Let's not do that. But I, I don't. I want to see it at least one more time before we start getting concerned. I would agree with that. I, I it was a weird game. They won the game on the road against a team that I, I, as much as we make fun of the Cardinals, they've been competitive in some games in most games that they've played in. So yeah. like, it's still, it's a good win for a young team. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that. 
Um, and they're also like, they're five and oh. Right. Let's, let's not lose sight of the big picture here. That's true. Okay. The last thing that we were going to talk about was Brandon Staley. Oh yeah. I forgot <laughs> we had to Chargers talk about this. Beat the Browns 30 to 28. And we could not for the life of us figure out if Brandon Staley was a winner or a loser. Do you have an argument either way, Steven? Uh, I'm going to say he's a loser because I feel like whatever slack he was given or provided by ownership or whoever would make the decision to fire him or not. I think it got smaller after this game with it. So the chargers were, uh, I think there was like a minute left. It's fourth and two. They're up by two points, I believe uh, uh, near yeah, midfield. Well, it, it's either fourth and one or fourth and two, yeah, right? It's a little bit unclear, but yes, it's, they're on their 46. There's some disagreement between the, the fourth down models, the various fourth down models. There's so many. Everyone has a model. ESPN and Ben Baldwin definitely both said go. They also both had that it was fourth and one, which the playbook also said that it had fourth and one. The yellow line, as we know, is unofficial. It looked yeah. at the very least like a very long fourth and one. And I think on the broadcast, they said fourth and two. It looked like they had two yards to go. According to Next Gen Stats, it was 1.7. And okay. their, their model, which is based on like the exact yardage instead of like fourth and one, it was based on fourth and 1.7 said to kick the ball. So I think you can make the argument either way. My problem wasn't with the choice. It was with the play call. Like the Browns were just all on. They were all over every call the Chargers made on a key passing down. And this was another one. Like they played like inside leverage against slant. Mike Williams had no chance. Herbert had no chance. They turned the ball over. They get bailed out by the defense, which I, maybe that's the argument for Staley is that they didn't get the fourth down and they still won the game. Well, they, I mean, they got bailed out by the fact that Kate York missed the, the field goal kick from 54 yards, which that's a, that's a long kick. It is a long kick, but they still like, they get the ball back. They're in chargers territory. Yeah. They can move the, they advance the ball 10 yards. Um, and they do the Browns end up losing because they, they miss the field goal. Um, I don't know. It's it, it, I do trust, generally speaking, trust the models on that stuff, except for the fact that they're all being like it was fourth and one. Um, so you obviously go for it. It wasn't really fourth and one. So I would be curious to see how all of the different models work the math out on that. Um, I, I agree with you that like it worked out for them. You can't really call them a winner, though. Like even Keenan Allen, who's whose heart yeah, was right. tweeting, like, what are we doing? Which I think is an important reminder that, okay, we talk about this stuff. We talk about the differences between how we react to these things or look at the, all the different models versus how just the, the, um, general broadcast audience reacts. Players are not as like enlightened as we might think they would be sometimes. So just the fact that this seems clearly like something that he has to explain to the players as well just doesn't doesn't seem great you don't think keenan's following a fourth down bot on twitter and ben ball maybe you should for uh, i need all the bots to tag keenan allen and and yeah. tell him to follow them um but they're also i also can't make the chargers a winner here because how does this team still have a bad run defense every <sighs> single year they're like we're fixing it it's never fixed they gave up 213 yards and three touchdowns on the ground i know it's the browns i know the browns have a very good run game I, I don't care. Your entire offseason was about this. Do you know what they didn't change? The linebackers. It's still the same linebackers. 
and they're terrible <sighs> and they're terrible and like i the sideline reporter for cbs was like making a point that brandon staley after every drive was like going over to the linebackers and being like you guys have to be better you have to fit the run better like she said it like five times throughout the broadcast so that was very that obviously a point of emphasis but until they fix the linebacking core you're just gonna be able to run on them and by the way it felt like nick chubb was gonna score every time he touched the ball every single time he touched every the ball. single time and that's that's a Nick Chubb thing as as much as it's a Chargers thing, but it's also a little bit of a Chargers thing. Yeah, it's just infuriating. Um, speaking of linebackers, the Browns traded for Deion Jones from the Falcons uh, after this game. I think the compensation was late round pick swaps in 2024. Um, I think they're trying to replace Anthony Walker's snaps. Essentially, I, I just was a little bit surprised by it or, or found the move somewhat notable because it's further proof that that team is just like very all in. They, mm-hmm. they are, they are the Midwest or is Cleveland, the Midwest. Yeah. We're calling it the Midwest. They're the Midwest Rams. Um, the reason the compensation was so low is he's got a $12 million base salary next year. So the, that bill is going to get hefty, but apparently they think that that's something that's going to make a difference for them. It's not, it's not like three <laughs> years ago, it would have made a difference, but like Deion Jones, since the injury, like, just not the same player. It's just, it's not going to make a difference, it, it, which is why it was a late round picks swap. Sorry, Cleveland. I could be wrong. <laughs> sorry. To, sorry, Andrew Barry. Uh, Steven Reese Honestly, doesn't I'm, I'm like your trade. I'm Jones film, so I, I could be wrong. All right. Let's get to the non-headline story. I believe you have, Steven, you might even have a game for this one. Yeah, I'm going to test you. I, I, I've been trying to gamify everything tonight, but uh, we love it. I've discovered the greatest play in the history of football. And we talked about it earlier. Solak brought, oh, Solak brought it up exciting. earlier. So it's the play that I'm sure you've seen. The The Ravens tried variations of it on Sunday night against the Bengals. But basically, you motion in a tight end under center, and he calls a quick hike, and then he, he does a QB sneak, basically. You're doing a QB sneak with a tight end. So I went back uh, through True Media's, I think it's like the last five years they have it. It's been run 12 times. How many times do you think it's been, it's gone for a first down? Um, well, you said it's the greatest play in the history of the NFL. So I'm going to, I'm going to guess 12. No, it was 11. And do you know why it wasn't 12? Cause Kyle Juszczyk ruined it. I'm shaming, <laughs> I'm bringing shame to him. Blake Bell should bring shame to him. Blake Bell is like the patron saint of this, this play, by the way, he's, he's done it five times for the chiefs for, for various teams, by the way, for the chiefs oh, wow. and, and the Cowboys. And he's converted every single time. But I want to also ask you to guess, who do you think was the first offensive coordinator to try this in the NFL? It happened in 2020. I will give you a hint. It's an NFC team that has made the playoffs once since he's been the offensive coordinator. And they have not won a playoff game. An NFC. So in 2020, an NFC team that has made the playoffs once since he's and they made it in 2020. Is it the Eagles? Is it Steichen? Scott Turner, Washington. <laughs> Tough scene. Tough scene. Tough scene. What man. I want to know, what I want to know is if you can sort the stats based on if the quarterback at the moment of the, the sneak, if the quarterback at the snap, you know how they chart like motion at the snap? I want to mm-hmm. know if the quarterback is like pointing wildly in a direction away from the play at the snap, because I think that that is what makes this play foolproof. 
like Patrick Mahomes, because Mahomes did this with, they did the, the Chiefs ran it with like Noah Gray. Yeah. Mahomes sold that so well. Like when I was little, my parents had this joke where they would just like, they had a fictional, this fictional character named Gene. And my dad would be like, look, there's Gene. And no one would be there. Mahomes sold that like from here to Sunday. It was so good. So that, that is what I want to know. True, true media does not have that filter. Sadly, it doesn't have the, the we should, we're going to talk to our friends wildly. at true media and see if we can see if we can get it added. But maybe that was the difference between the Philly special working for Nick Foles. Cause he did like a little like fake quarterback miming thing. He was like pointing when, before they called it. And then like the Bengals didn't do that and it didn't work when they tried it. So maybe that is the key. Football is very complicated. But also sometimes if someone points somewhere, you look where they point. Let me, let me trace the origin and like how it evolved. Okay. Tell me, tell me. So Logan Thomas does it in November of 2020. About a month later, the Cowboys do it with Blake. The Cowboys do it with Blake Bell against the 49ers. The very next week, the 49ers do it themselves with Kyle Juszczyk. Shanahan. Then Blake Bell gets traded. I don't know if he gets traded, but he goes to the Chiefs next year, week one. They do it again with Blake Bell, where it's the first time the Chiefs have done it. They do it three more times during the season. They all work with Blake Bell. And I also want to call out Mike Tirico tonight. <laughs> because when the when the Ravens faked it, they like faked the sneak to Mark Andrews and Lamar threw it deep to Demarcus Robinson and he overthrew it. He was like, oh, that's what the Chiefs do with Travis Kelsey. The Chiefs have never done it with Travis Kelsey, according to True Media. You're confusing these white tight ends like Noah Gray and uh, Blake Bell with Travis Kelsey. They're not the same. Justice for the non non Travis Kelsey Chiefs tight ends. Wow, Stephen, thank you for taking me on that journey. That's fascinating. You're welcome. I hope they. I hope teams continue to use this. I I do. That was. What's funny is before we recorded this, I was going to be like, "Is there going to be a counter to this? Like, is a team going to come up with a counter if teams start sitting on the quarterback sneak from the tight end?" And the Ravens did it, and they had a wide open guy, and Lamar missed it. Such a shame. The lore for this play would have grown if Lamar hits that. Yeah, but that's good. That's good in the long run. It's going to let it like stay underground for a little bit longer. That's a good point. Does that count as play action? It should. It should. This has been the Ringer NFL Sunday recap show on the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Nora Princiati. Thank you, as always, to Stephen Rees and to Benjamin Solak and to you for listening. Next up on the feed tomorrow, we will have Sheil and Ben with Extra Point Taken, their deep dive into week five. Then Power Rankers with Jason Goff and Austin Gale is coming up on Tuesday. I'll be back on Wednesday with The Island. Sheil will be back Thursday with The Scramble. And then the Ringer NFL preview show with Danny Heifetz, Ben, and Steven will preview week six on Friday. Thank you to Chris Sutton for production on this episode and to Arjuna Ramgopal for additional production supervision. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, enter the kingdom in IMAX on May 10th and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.